the last week with our reflections on the Beatitudes, and it would be good to end on a high, wouldn't it? But it's blessed to those who are persecuted, which is kind of hard to get your head around. I think most people, when they look at the Beatitudes, find it hard that Jesus said blessed. This is compounded uh, by the Good News Bible translating it happy. Happy are those who are persecuted. Happy are those who mourn. It just doesn't seem to sound right, does it? Well, that's a possible translation of the Greek word happy, but uh, I'm with John Stott, who, who says it's not the correct translation in this instance. Some time ago, when pondering this, I, I came up with a question to ask myself. Simple question and a simple answer. The question is, if they are blessed, who is blessing them? And of course the answer is God's blessing. So we could say God blesses those who are persecuted, which I found was helpful in trying to understand what Jesus is saying here. And I subsequently read the New Living Translation of the Beatitudes, which actually does translate them as God blesses, which was a an encouragement to me. Now Jesus wasn't saying in order to get blessed you've got to be persecuted. As David said in his introduction now four weeks ago he said this, he said the Beatitudes are not a list of conditions we need to meet in order to get blessed but showing us that God lavishly blesses the world around and in particular those for whom society doesn't have much time. Now another question that uh, I've asked myself on these Beatitudes is, well what did the original hearers understand of what Jesus was saying? Those people on the mountainside, the disciples and the crowd, what did they understand what Jesus meant? Well in Jewish culture in Jesus's time it was believed that suffering, including persecution, was brought on by the wickedness of the person themselves. It was an indication of God's displeasure. But Jesus firmly repudiates this. It isn't the result of God's wrath. In fact, God blesses those who are being persecuted. Now there is a caveat here. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. If we suffer because we've done wrong, then that's not what Jesus is saying. We could define that as punishment rather than persecution, I think. But it's made clear in the next verse, and, and I don't want to encroach on what David's going to say in a few moments, but uh, there Jesus is saying that, that you're blessed when you're being persecuted because of me. Because of me. In other words, we're blessed when we're being persecuted if we're being persecuted because we're following Jesus and trying to be obedient to him. Now, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but Paul wrote to Timothy these words. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So, what's the promise in this beatitude? Well, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's the same as the first beatitude. Uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. And these two Beatitudes are the only ones where the promise is in the present tense. All the others are in the future. God blesses those who mourn, they will be comforted. But for the persecuted, the kingdom is theirs now, even during that persecution. As Beth said, when, when looking at the poor in spirit, it may not feel like a blessing, 
but God is here with us. Heaven is here with us. Those who are being persecuted can be reassured that they are citizens of God's kingdom now. Now the kingdom isn't a geographical place or just a future promise either. The kingdom is where the king reigns. As we follow Jesus and try to be obedient to him, he reigns in our hearts. As Jesus said elsewhere, the kingdom is within you. And when the Holy Spirit makes his home in our hearts, he can enable us to face persecution should it come, and sometimes even triumph over it. I recently found the note that I, I'd made about a book, uh, this book here, Sword and Spirit, Christianity in a Divided World. Um, the book was published in the 1980s and, and it was subsequent to a BBC Two series uh, about, um, well, Christianity, as it says, in a world where uh, there's much division. So it was a long time ago, and if you don't remember it, uh, even less likely to remember because it was on BBC Two. But this is about a pastor in South Korea. He'd been arrested six times in 12 years because uh, of his work, and he'd been imprisoned. He'd suffered interrogation, abuse, violence, and torture. And he was asked how he had kept going in these times, and this is what he said. I remember being shown the torture room, all the implements, the devices were laid out. They wanted me to sign a confession that I had received money from North Korea, which would have been the same as admitting that I was a communist. I knew then that I was near the end, very near. I closed my eyes and prayed. But all I could see was Christ on the cross, and I knew at once that he was there for those torturers just as much as he was there for me. That was the moment of breakthrough. I found reserves of strength and courage that I never knew I had, that I know I don't have. And they came because I could see those wretched men with the love and tenderness of Christ. But the odd thing was that when I opened my eyes, perhaps after 20, maybe 30 seconds, they knew something had happened to me. They knew they could no longer hurt me. It was all over. His faith was made stronger when his realisation in that prayer that Jesus died for his torturers as well. Jesus commanded us, didn't he? Love our enemies, pray for those who persecute us. And he didn't just say it, he did it on the cross. He prayed for his torturers who put him there. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Of course, the ultimate persecution is to be put to death for your faith. And here, the hope, we can see the Holy Spirit dramatically at work. In, for instance, the case of Stephen in the Bible, known as the first Christian martyr. In Acts chapter 7, he's been in front of the Sanhedrin, testifying to them that they're not happy by any means. And then he says, look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Well, at this they, they raged and they dragged him out of the city and they began to stone him. And we read, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. 
if we haven't suffered persecution, it can be hard to, to understand how that could happen, how, how Stephen could be in that situation. Uh, but the promise is that the Holy Spirit will give us strength. Uh, we may think well, we wouldn't have the strength to hold up. But the promise is that we will be given strength, not now, but when we need it. As that pastor in the South Korea was saying, suddenly he got that strength, he got that blessing. Just one more example to close. And this is from uh, Idea magazine, that's the Evangelical Alliance magazine, from uh, an issue last year. Sarah's husband was killed and Sarah, who was from a Sunni Muslim background, decided to flee Syria with her five children while she still could. On her journey she had a dream. She says, I dreamt about a long dark road. At the end of this road I saw an angel. He extended his hand and said, don't be afraid for I am with you. I woke up shivering. I was crying so hard. When she reached Lebanon, she found a church and told them about her vision. All of them told me, this is from Christ. The Lord is with you. But when Sarah told her Muslim relatives, they persecuted her for her faith in Jesus. And she had to escape again. But even now, she says, when I remember the story, I remember the Lord is with me. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven.